0: are listening to WHOA Podcast, Podcast. coming to you from Gainesville. Gainesville. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the WHOA GNV Podcast, the podcast bringing you businesses and individuals that make you go, whoa!
1: You can tell it's nighttime, because there's (laughs) so much energy there. So much energy.
0: (laughs) I am your host, Colin Austin. My co-host is the pins of my paper, the key to my board, and the password to my username, my right-hand man, Michael Dees. I
1: actually do probably know a lot of passwords to your usernames. That
0: is so true. You probably... I actually have to ask him for my passwords. (laughs) That's true. What's my password to this? I don't
1: remember. Some combination, of, well, I won't get into that. Yeah, line. we won't get into that.
0: What's up, dude? <laughs> Not much, man,
1: how are you this morning? I am excellent.
0: No, I mean, yeah, so evening. used to morning, yeah. yeah doing well? We're you? recording at night, this yeah. is great. We got the rum out, we're, we're a little relaxed. Dude, I don't
1: even know how you're going. You were up at like three here, o'clock the morning. A, we got a
0: full house, I mean, this is great. Dude, yeah.
1: I know the dude, energy is just so different. You saw, you saw my post. Three o'clock in the morning, you're having creative juices flowing, and <laughs> it's uh,
0: 9.30 and you're still yeah. going. I think other entrepreneurs can empathize with me about like laying in bed, you're dreaming and all of a sudden, like all these ideas come rushing in and you got to wake up and you got to write them all down. It's, it's a nightmare. Cause the truthfully. fear, the
1: fear is not remembering them when you wake up, right? Yeah. I that's mean, that's like, when the brilliant strikes is like when you least expect it, you got to jot that stuff down.
0: It's true. And that's exactly what I did. And I, At three also o'clock took, in the morning. I also took like a sleep aid, which made, which made it like super hard to wake up a few hours later. But you know, anyway, um, dude, this is, this is going out. We are October 14th. We are October 14th. This is going out. We're in the fourth quarter right now. We made tell, it. Tell me, tell me what, like when it comes to new scooters for us and everything that's going on, you're wrapping up the end of the year, like focus fourth quarter heading towards 2020. Like what's going okay. through your mind right now?
1: Fourth quarter, it's tough to say because each quarter brings so many different things. But fourth quarter is probably my favorite because it gets me most excited. Like third quarter is nice because we have like back to school season, right? But but fourth quarter is like the time to really kind of put pen to paper and plan on what the next year is going to look like, and and that excites me because it's like you know something new. Um. So that's what I'm doing is is we're trying to trying to put our heads together to see what the next year looks like, whether that's different product lines, whether it's restructuring, whether it's whatever. Um but trying to see, you know, it's almost a little bit of a projection game, like like what is the next year gonna look like from our, our market, from new things that are influencing it, um, team members that come and go and stuff like that, you know, it's just, it's all planning.
0: Yeah, what was the biggest surprise for 2019? Oof! this is a transparent podcast, right? <laughs> yeah. This podcast is always transparent, bro. Uh, the
1: biggest surprise, so it's interesting because you, to to the audience I mean Colin knows this, um but but we spent a lot of time doing a lot of projections and stuff on on what we think the year's going to look like especially back to school season and new scooters for less it's it's the it's everything that we plan for um and and for probably years we've talked about you know certain influencer influences out there that could affect things uh but this year it seems like it kind of hit us uh the back to school season was Good by normal standards, but definitely not what we've come to expect the last three or four years. Yeah, and that was that was a surprise. Not in the sense that like I didn't think it could happen, but that it did happen. So
0: yeah, I I definitely we've definitely put a lot of scooters on the road. We've saturated the market completely, and, <laughs> and that's a good thing. I mean, looking back, oh, yeah, but, this is a good thing, or is it a bad thing? Yeah,
1: um, it's tough because they, I think I mean we've said it privately a lot of times, but you know, I'll say with all due respect to our competition, everybody out there that puts scooters on the road, like our, our biggest competition is is the private resale market.
0: Yeah, I legit said that earlier today when I was speaking at UF, they were asking me about scooters. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, you guys, you students are our biggest competitor. For sure, yeah. So.
1: And and that's, you know, in some ways that's a testament to the distributors themselves because, you know, maybe years ago the scooters wouldn't last four or five years and and yeah. now they are. And that, that's a good thing from a quality standpoint. No, it's uh, there. Uh, I
0: mean, uh, yeah, that's great. Yeah, it's awesome. Well, you know, I think you know, you start to start to reset entering the fourth quarter, looking at 2020. I mean, we're already adjusting some policy stuff and looking ahead. Yeah. I kind of like that. I like I like the you know getting it makes things feel fresh. Yeah. you know, yeah, like it, it's,
1: it's nice to it's like a facelift almost, and and sometimes that's exciting.
0: Yeah. So you know. Uh, Last time I was reading, I read the hate mail that I got. Yeah, on the podcast. Yeah,
1: you're short and uh, was it arrogant? Was it? No. <laughs>
0: somebody said I'm short. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Um, yeah. So uh, I uh, so after Ken's episode went out, mm, somebody commented. So Ken shared it. Somebody mm-hmm. commented on his thing, and so I was like reading it through it, and uh, so I want to give a shout out to Jim Powell. I don't, okay. I don't know who this Wait, is. Wait, is this going to be a, like a mean tweet yeah. type thing? Yeah, this is 100% okay. like mean tweets. Okay, Sweet. This guy says, that guy needs less caffeine. Okay, that's true. <laughs> that's
1: not even mean. That's just so, true. So
0: that's 100% true. And then he said, and maybe a double testosterone espresso. <laughs> I, I don't even know what that means. What? Does that mean like I got like a, like a girly radio voice or something? Is that or, what that means? I don't know. Or maybe, maybe it's... Maybe we oh, need to start going back to the job. Like, like, Isaac, what do you think,
2: bro? You're ripped. <laughs> <laughs> We're
0: liar. Uh, anyway, all right, so hold on. Like, before we introduce our awesome guests of today, let me give some love to our sponsors. You guys, this episode is brought to you by Opus Coffee. You guys, they just opened their brand new location at 800 Southwest 2nd Avenue. Um, they, they did that right at the end of September, which, like September 29th, which I actually think mm-hmm. is legit National Coffee Day. Oh, that's brilliant. Um, I believe somebody wants to double check that but so they just opened the location um, they now they are they now have their 4th Avenue food park going have you seen this over there
1: I, I've not been not been there that's where like cilantro tacos yeah. Is. yeah so I've been over there at least a cilantro tacos Um, and it, it's cool like I love that idea that it, there's a lot of businesses out there but that's where Opus is now
0: yeah so I mean that's where the roastery is okay so, right. so they, they have that building and they have this like awesome like um, just this back outside area with like a lot of games but cilantro tacos there they got at a... Farenbacker sausage is over there. Right. You know, I don't know. just definitely go check them out. It's at on Instagram. They're at 4th Avenue Food Park on Instagram, so check them out. But definitely go over there and look at it. It's, it's really 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 cool. They just got it all set up and and everything. And I just want to give mad mad love to Tim and Brett Larson for their support of this podcast. Thank you guys so much. You guys, this would not be possible without our sponsors. So, mad love to Opus, you, Opus. Coffee. Drink Opus Coffee. And uh, I got my nonprofit shout out of the day, the Humane Society of North Central Florida they have their fourth annual Stock. <laughs> I, I love the name of this <laughs> Wolf Wolf W. It's, like, w- it's like something I would name. Isn't it, Rebecca right? That's
1: yeah. like something I
0: would come up with. Yeah. <laughs> w o o f. So fourth annual Stock at Santa Fe River Ranch in Alachua. It's Thursday, November seventh, from six p.m. to ten p.m. They're gonna have live music, <laughs> delicious food, drinks. Buy tickets at Wolfstock. 2019. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> ah, let's get into this show. Are Ooh, you ready? I'm ready. Oh, where's my intro? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, today on the show we have Isaac Hetzroni, founder and CEO of Imprint Genius, where promo is done smarter. Dude, what is up? What's up, man? How are you? Good to see you. You too, man. Isaac had a test. He had an exam this this evening. So you are a student entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, so what, what class were you having a test in this Oh, to? that was business finance Business finance, how'd you do? I think I did well Yeah, uh, if you had to grade yourself
1: Probably got a B A B? What's wrong with you? you? You finished fast, which is, to me, it's usually a bad thing, but like, I I don't know
2: <laughs> Well, I was just so excited to get here, you know <laughs> I was just rushing through uh, That's a good answer
0: uh, Well funny. dude, welcome to the show, man Yeah, happy to be here so you, you've seen our episodes you know what we like to do we like to like start with the origin story right and I can empathize with like the whole you know student entrepreneur thing because when I started this business I was a student. Um, so tell you know tell us your story man what brought you what brought you to Gainesville what brought you to UF and you know why are you the CEO of imprint Genius?
2: Oh uh, well, ended up in Gainesville just because UF's a great school. Definitely a great bang for your buck, too, overall. I was living in South Florida, I grew up in Montreal. Living in South Florida the last 10 years. Uh, freshman year, coming into college, actually summer B, is actually when Imprint Genius, or what used to be Imprint, um, kind of started. So we started off as Fanyu fans, and I grew into Imprint. Uh, and the story about that is I've always been a huge gadget guy. Always love technology. I go to tech trade shows every year. I need to have every gadget there is. It's just like a little hobby, collecting. And I had this one gadget, just a little cell phone fan that plugs into your phone. I brought you one here. And I brought it to a party, summer B, freshman year. And I'm thinking everyone's gonna go and make fun of me from this little fan. Next thing I know, though, I'm surrounded by like at least 10 people. Everyone's begging for to use the fan and borrow it. And Everyone's asking me, Isaac, where did you, you get this fan from? I need it for Sorority Rush, et cetera. And so my response to that was just, oh, I'm Isaac the fan guy. I sell them. I didn't sell them though. I, I, that was <laughs> my it. only fan. Okay. Love it. Um, and I just, I just saw like a market opportunity. I'm like, well, there's 10 people right here. I'm getting them for around a buck, a buck 50. I can sell them for at least five bucks. So what is that, like at least 40 bucks? 30, 40 bucks right here in profit just from these 10 people that seems like a, some extra beer money or whatever you want to call it um, so I went home I got everyone's numbers and stuff which is also a good good thing to do when you're a freshman um, <laughs> was able to go get a bunch of numbers um, go back over to the 100 fans within a week completely sold out um, I was going to parties every night, just selling the fans, having a blast. All um, my friends saw me selling fans, and they're like, they're "Like, wow, I wanna sell fans too. Like, it was just a, a fun social thing to do at parties, and you make a little extra money. Um, so I created like a little ambassador program, and somehow that, that just scaled. I mean, people were selling them at football games when fall started, and we were in five different universities. We were, we were selling thousands of fans um, all through like, the fall. We had like an e-commerce platform at that point, and we got we got some PR, and um, we got a request to put a company a city logo on the other side of our fans. And they're like, "Can we have 1,500 fans with your logo as well as our logo?" And I go, "Yeah, sure. Like, I can do that. No problem. We're doing everything direct source through China, so it makes it really easy to customize." Um, I realized how much money we had made from a bulk deal versus going B to B versus B to C, and I said, what am I doing selling to drunk sorority girls? I should be selling to businesses, right? Um, And then so I transitioned the whole company into a promotion company that had one product, cell phone fans, that's all we want. Do you want t-shirts or anything else? Sorry, we only got fans. (laughs) But what started happening was that now we had customers. Um, And then we slowly expanded, expanded, expanded. Um, And there's a lot that went into it, but eventually now we're imprint genius.
0: Okay, so how long did it take before you actually made it imprint genius? you were just doing this as like a little side hustle for <laughs> fans, and then you're like, "All right, let me like make this a business." Like, so how long was that process?
2: So, end of fall, um, I started something called IMM Promotions. Now, I would tell people it was uh, International uh, Merchandise Marketing Promotions. Uh, that was not true. That was a lie. It really stood for Isaac Makes Money Promotions. <laughs> Um, and that's still our LLC Like technically like uh, well, we're just, IMM LLC IMM Promotions LLC Doing business as Imprint Genius That stands uh, for Isaac Makes Money Isaac LLC. Makes Money LLC uh, Yep is, uh, <laughs> So I start that And I'm running IMM For almost a year <laughs> Then we get a Cease and desist Actually Of the most obscure name I pick right And there's an IMM Promotionals Which is a t-shirt printing shop Small shop out of like, South Carolina. They send me season assist. Our lawyers go back and forth. I go, huh, I want to do a rebrand anyway. And then at that point, I was like living in Israel doing, um, doing an internship. And I just c- kind of took a lot of time just to build out. Like, what's wrong with the promotional industry? How can we innovate? Um, and then I built out essentially a business plan for what Imprint Genius is today. And I came back, so it's been around two years now since we've been Imprint Genius and it's just been such an amazing ride. Cool. Dude, what a great story.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, what year are you in school?
2: I'm a senior. So you're a senior?
0: Yeah. I, oh man, is this, when when do you graduate? Oh, uh, in the spring, at the end of spring. All right, so May? Hmm. Mm-hmm graduate I mean you got to be feeling like I was feeling right like the itch are you like you oh. got the itch you're just like I'm ready to be done like the, why, why, why am I still in school I finishing?
2: oh it's more than itch it's like scabies <laughs> <laughs> oh god um i i, I want to just cuz i'm already working full time pretty much like it's like imprint full time <laughs> school part time even though i'm a full time student um and i just see all my all my entrepreneur friends who either dropped out or graduated and they're just going on their way and then i'm just still like yeah I'm still in classes okay so if
0: you were like a sophomore right now Mm -hmm. would you drop out no no you um
2: I still like I still like the idea I still learn a lot like everyone's like wow you probably don't learn anything in college I'm like no I learn more than the average person because I can I'm in class and I'm interested in certain topics and then I can go and apply everything I'm learning in class directly to my business okay like what You can get the feeling that he doesn't agree. Yeah, so so for example, I just took a professional selling class uh, with uh, Dr. Tufts and it was all about psychology as well as building out sales processes and uh, building out your pitch and going through an entire sales process with a customer. And while other people would have to do with about theoretical businesses or Fortune 500 companies, I was able to write everything about my personal business. And I was able to go through the buying process and really uh, build customer personas, uh, go through the whole process. And after I built all those documents for class and I was able to apply them in the real world, now these are documents that we have in our training guides that all of the new sales employees have to go and read through and learn and utilize. Uh, that, principles of management, I'm learning new management tactics that I can go apply right then and there. Principles of marketing, I'm learning new marketing tactics maybe I didn't think about uh, that I can apply right away. I think I agree with you when you're saying, like, yes, college can be a waste of time sometimes, but if you have the right mindset, I think. Are you putting
0: words in my mouth, Isaac? <laughs> 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 no, look, look, like, I, I, I mean, I want to be clear. Like, I'm not saying that there's no value in college or anything. I'm right. just the, you know, I, I love my time at the University of Florida. I'm a hardcore gator. Please do not get me wrong. Like, I love the University sorry, of sorry. Florida. But, like, though, uh, <laughs> I just think that on the macro, all universities teach you how to work for somebody else. Like I don't, I don't fair, think that I don't, I don't think they are necessarily teaching you how to work for yourself. And I wish there was just more uh, focus on teaching students how to work for themselves. I, and it, you know, it's funny because w- even when I was speaking today, I actually brought up the cash flow quadrant from Rich Dad Poor Dad mm-hmm. <laughs> um, in the you know the sequel to that book. Um, you know, I'm just like, look, like the the university teaches you how to make money, like how to go how to go work for somebody else and earn money, but I want more students to be focused on learning. I like the things that I wish I would have known when I was in college was like how to invest to where I could make my money work for me, not go out and work for my money. And college teaches you how to work for your money, and so I don't know. Don't want to go like I don't want to like like go so far like too far down that rabbit that rabbit hole. I know that we talked a little bit about that kind of stuff with um you know uh, James DiVirgilio when right. he was on the podcast and everything. But um you know I I I love the University of Florida. I love uh, uh, again hardcore Gator, <laughs> and I'm glad that you're getting a ton of. Va- I mean that's awesome that you're getting a ton of value out of those classes. Um you know. So, Mike, don't make me feel like. <laughs> Mike's like, you can tell that Colin doesn't agree. <laughs> I, mean, like, I mean, I've heard you say before,
1: I mean, it's, it's not even just your thing. Like, fa- failure is the best way to figure out what you need to do, right? Like, fa- fail a thousand times and it's quicker than what you, whatever you can learn in a textbook.
0: Look, I would be interested to know, like, when I talk to real, like entrepreneurs um, about a, a master's in entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. that, like, that didn't even exist when I was in college. Mm-hmm. in two thousand and four, there was no such thing as a master's in entrepreneurship. right? And I'm like, and now I kind of I'm like, ah, there's only one way. There's only one way to get your master's in entrepreneurship that's to go and start a business. <laughs> I agree with <laughs> right? that. Right, like, and and I, I don't know, maybe the university's doing that. Like, I'm honored to go back and speak at these master's in entrepreneurship classes, you know, and, and I, I'm telling them the same thing. I'm like, you guys need, if you want a, a real master's, like, go start a business. Like, learn learn entrepreneurship by starting a business.
1: With that said, I think it is interesting that you come from a certain perspective where I, I think something is lost if you're doing these reports, these documents, all these kind of things on these Fortune 500 companies, these companies that you don't have any relationship to. But when you are doing it on something that you you own, you're invested into. I think it's a different perspective. You know, like it, it engages you in a different way than what feels like an assignment versus something that you feel like you're actually going to get value from if you do this well.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think that that's a, an interesting thing. Um, I mean, like you said, they didn't have that whenever you were a student. So everything that you got of value. Well, I won't say everything you got, but like you had to learn by creating your business and seeing what worked and what didn't. Yeah.
0: But and I and I'm honored every time I get to go back and speak to the students, and I do that a lot. Like I speak and spoke in a class today. I'm going to speak a class next month, and I do it probably three or four times in a semester. And, and I love it because I feel like I get to, you know, kind of address the things that don't necessarily get addressed in 2019. You know, here we are, like, starting to enter, to the, you know, 2020's right around the corner. Right. And, you know, some of the things, um, even things like resumes. Uh, mm-hmm. How much this is always a pressure, topic. yeah, how much pressure, how much time are they, like, putting on you about your resume?
2: Oh, it's ridiculous. Oh, I remember, I'm not gonna say the organization, but I applied to an organization Um. It, Nuf in the business school, and it was just after I got, I got like a really great award for entrepreneurship and like top in the nation type of thing. I apply, and I get denied first round for this this business-based leadership group. And I go, I go and I see why did I get denied? And he goes, Well, your resume is fantastic, but the issue is is the formatting of your resume, and we actually uh, weight the formatting of your resume higher than the contents for the initial round. So I was denied.
0: Based, based on, on the, the formatting. Based on the
2: formatting of my resume versus the content. And see, and like, so today, I'm speaking to this class, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, hey, means, I'm like, hey, I'm
0: like, hey, you guys, I, I, you know, I know that, I know that there's a lot of pressure on you to have this perfect resume. Um, I just want to let you know that there's a lot of CEOs like myself that you'll be lucky if we glance at it. You know, the first thing that I'm gonna do, I'm gonna go Google your ass. Oh, 100%. <laughs> I'm gonna go look at your social media. I'm gonna see if you have a portfolio online. I, I tell students all the time, I'm like, it's more important for you to have colinaustin.com and actually put the, your activities, the things that you're involved in, put your resume, show just show everything through this online portfolio because get the CEOs of tomorrow are 37 years old or 47 or 50, but, they're, you know, the, the ones that are like you know 60 plus, like they're retiring guys, they're retiring and we just they don't we, me as a 37 year old, just I don't put as much emphasis on the resume. I'm more interested in your portfolio of work. I mean, I totally agree. <laughs> it's just, you know, and so that's why it drives me crazy when I see, you know, all of this talk about, you know, the, um, the importance uh, of a resume.
1: To be fair, you asked me how I've uh, stayed with you this long, and, and the number one reason is actually because I haven't done a resume since 2004, and I just don't
2: want to. <laughs> stop it That's it's not funny. about it but the formatting is so uh, yeah. complicated like, I don't want to read I just resume. don't want to think about it <laughs> I don't, don't even
1: want to work on that card stock font I, I don't
0: know well it's funny I you know I'm constantly coaching students on how to how to stand out you know, like, and it, when you do make a resume, I always like pull. I always uh, refer back to that movie, Legally Blonde, where like it's like <laughs> pink and like it smells perfume like perfume. Yeah. <laughs> i like, hey, at least it like stands out. You know, because you think about it, like you're applying for positions, you have all, you know. Here I, am, if if I am a a 65 year old CEO, like, and I'm looking through a stack of resumes or the HR department of some fancy, you know. Organization looking through resumes, there's I mean, a lot to, what, like what are you doing to make yourself there's stand a lot out? to be
1: said for a memorable one, and and you probably know I, I'm thinking of a, either a book I read or something that we've talked about before where somebody delivered a dozen donuts and their resume was actually when you flipped up the lid to the donuts. Oh, yeah, I, I don't remember if it was a book or, or something, but like that stands out, even though I can't cite it, like it stands out as something that was like, wow, what a baller move that is. So like, I think that there's a chance there if you're gonna, if you know who you're applying to, I mean, that's the first thing is you have to know who is doing the hiring. Know your audience. Um, But but what a baller move something like that would be to, to make a connection and to stand out if that opportunity is there. But if it's just your standard paper resume sitting on someone's desk, like, Okay.
2: And it's not even it's not even people reading these resumes half the time at the major major organizations. It's artificial intelligence scanning through thousands of resumes a day, picking out the main keywords, and then then if you pass that test, then it's going to the final uh, actual person decision maker. Is that through
1: like a lot of digital submissions now, or?
2: Yeah, I mean digital submissions exactly. But even I mean. My buddy's startup is actually just that. He works at major companies and he has a system that he looks through all of their hiring decisions over the last, let's say, 10 years. Uh, who they hired, who they interviewed, et cetera. And then based off of that, then build builds out kind of their preference and then is able to scan through thousands of resumes through yeah. their system and then tell them which people to actually interview. That's wild.
0: Tell us your thoughts, (laughs) Moen. I mean, like, I'm just thinking, you know, even reflecting back on this, looking back to 2004, you know, when I was going through. Have you done the career showcase
2: at UF? Yeah. Okay. Mostly just to sell cell phone fans. (laughs) (laughs) What to the? Yeah. So it was literally a strategy how we got our initial first clients. We went to I went to career showcase, and I would have like my pretty much only job thing. I was just like fan you fans and then I would just go up to these, these businesses and i just talk to them casually they go, Oh, what's fan you fans? They go, Oh well, I'm gonna tell you um, and I'd try to pitch on the cell phone fans and see if they want to buy it for their uh <laughs> for their trade Clever, show. This, this guy's clever. Shows. Yeah, he's clever. I like That's it.
0: good. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm just thinking back to my time where I was walking through that career showcase. You know, here I was in my only suit cuz I never liked suits and my parents, you know, helped me buy one cuz I needed a suit for job interviews, right? So get get a suit. I got and I worked so hard on my resume. I remember the pressure of oh, your resume's got to be perfect. The formatting's got to be perfect, right? So I got this perfect resume and I remember going up to that you know that first recruiter, and shaking their hand and them saying, oh, "Okay, Colin," so like, why why do you want to work for our company? And I'm just I thinking, I don't. I'm just thinking <laughs> to myself. That's exactly right. I'm thinking to myself, "Oh my gosh, I don't." Like I just remember, like I <laughs> I I don't. I I knew that after leaving that career showcase, I knew that I would never work for any of them. And dude it's, it, it's crazy, like reflecting. and I tell students that all the time I'm like I just I just knew and and really, it was like one of those triggers that started setting off all the other light bulbs for me of like all right, maybe maybe working for myself is in my future, and do you feel the same? way do you feel like you could ever work for somebody at this point?
2: At this point, though, no. I mean, yeah. obviously it was ideas before, but once you get the taste of having your own business and having the freedom, I can't imagine going back into that cage
0: yeah. All right, so what's it like managing people while in school?
2: Um, it's not that bad, it's, it's, it's not, okay, it's not great, it's really hard. <laughs> it's not that bad, it's not, not that bad. Bad. <laughs> it's not great. Not great. Actually, actually so, it's freaking terrible, yeah. let's be honest. <laughs> no, so, um, exam season, the worst thing ever because everyone has their exams and they have to go deal with that, so I'm pretty much taking over um, the whole company. Um, it, what's complicated is hiring full-time staff when you're still part-time. Because then your your people you're working for you are at the office more than you, right? And how does that really look? How do you monitor them? Um, But there's a pros and cons of having student right students. It's cheaper labor, um, high value for the talent. But with our business, it's very um, customer focused. So if someone's handling an account, they have to put genius first and the customer first versus maybe the finance exam. And and that, that really is a hard thing for a lot of students to decide on, right? Am I gonna focus more on my school right now or on this potential career at slash client?
0: Okay, and what's their answer?
2: <laughs> well, I hope, I hope this. They, st- <laughs> <laughs> um, they need to have a, a fair balance. And I'm hoping that, that they're gonna at least get their treat their clients well and communicate properly with their clients, communicate with us, that's the biggest thing. Because we have enough people on the team where other people can pick up each other's slack and help each other, um, and we can schedule things well. Uh, But if people aren't properly scheduling and, and probably working with each other, then that's when chaos happens. Okay, so how do you manage, You know,
0: I guess what tactics, what things are you doing in your day to day to actually manage running a business and going to school? Like are you just scheduling out your day to a T? Like I mean
2: it, It's to a T. It's this is when I'm going to the gym. This is when I'm waking up. This is when I'm showering sometimes. I mean, like it's it's very, very exact scheduling. Um not I mean I'm not I I don't think anyone really should but, like play video games, watch T V. Like that's just a waste of time when I could be work, either educating myself or working on the business. Okay, but, so how
0: many hours in a week are you dedicating to your business while while being in school?
2: Um Probably 60 hours a week. Really? Yeah. So I'm at the office pretty much nine to six, seven every day, unless I have some classes to go to, and then on the weekends as well. So I mean, are you working at home, or do you have like a space? We have a space in the UF Innovation Hub. Okay. Right across from the sponsor, Opus Coffee. Okay. Okay. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, done. well done on the plug. Well done on the plug. <laughs> nice job, there, buddy. We're, we're
2: very excited for a uh, new little meeting space and some, yeah. some high quality coffee. There's like the street. it's
0: literally right across the street, and they have a conference room. It's pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <Awkward>. Thanks,
0: Opus. <laughs> uh, uh, there, there you go. So, I mean, you know, what like what advice? Like, what would you give to? What would you tell other students who want to be an entrepreneur? Like now that you've done this, like would you start while in school, or would you like, all right, now kind of learn? I wish I would have waited until I was just done, or like, I mean, what what advice would you give to other student entrepreneurs?
2: Uh, there's no doubt in my mind. Start when you're a student. Start as young as possible. Um, worst case, you fail and you're another broke college kid. <laughs> like you have no responsibility at all, really. You can, you have a support, so you might as well try things out uh, because not only are you going to get experience from it and potentially build out a business long term, but even if you don't, it's going to build out your entire network, your connection base. It's going to give you that like priceless experience. Um, and to be honest, the best connections that I've made and the, and I think like, the re- only reason that we're actually starting to like, actually scale up is because of me having something to show, like imprint genius is my resume. And I'm able to go and meet high profile people and, and carry myself because I have imprint genius behind me. Um, that GPA is not gonna come up in a conversation. But having my company there adds that legitimacy that's gonna help you um, so much long term. So if you're a student, just do it. Do something. Even if you're making no money, even if you're losing money, um, you're still gonna come out net positive.
0: Talk to me a li- little bit about like the the funding and stuff. I mean, but is was it just based off, you know, the orders that you were getting? Like you go sell an order first, and then that pays that pays for, you know, whatever you have to do. Or like, did you need, or did you have capital upfront in order to get this thing off the
2: ground? Um. I mean, the capital was a uh, couple hundred bucks to buy a first hundred fans, and then that hundred fans turned into a few hundred fans, and a few hundred fans turned into a thousand fans. So you um, just kept
0: reinvesting the profits? Reinvesting, profit
2: zero investors, 100% equity I still own in the company. And I think that a lot of startups nowadays um, are very investment-like happy, and they're just gonna throw away equity. If you can bootstrap, and you can get to revenue quick, that's your highest, um, Kind of indicator of success, in my opinion. Um, there's a lot of unicorn. I mean, unicorn startups make make the market and makes entrepreneurship. But I think that we put too much focus on those unicorns, and I don't. I don't think people, when they think of entrepreneurship, they don't always think about hey, like I'm gonna just go sell custom T-shirts or whatever it is to start off. Because the best ideas don't always come from you brainstorming. It's the constant adaptation. Now, when I started selling cell phone fans, I know that we'd be creating a new type of digital marketing and physical marketing strategy and doing RFID tag T-shirts and custom Alexa's and and change the way people look at promo. Never, because I wasn't involved. But once you kind of dive deep, that's when the good ideas come. So stop focusing so much on like the next Uber and start figuring out how you can get yourself involved in business and entrepreneurship today. That's good advice. I mean, uh, it's funny because uh, they teach you that at or or no? No? <laughs> U.S. They teach you that. Uh. Uh, to be honest, I feel like the university system definitely um, pushes more towards those unicorns because that's what gets the PR. That's what gets um, alumni more excited. But I think that the university systems in general are making a mistake because just like how you said, they're kind of making people work focus on working for the man. Um, there's enough focus on the small businesses that really. Uh, like can run America and keep America running.
0: Yeah, I mean it's, there's a reason they're unicorns because they're unicorns.
2: <laughs> it's like a lottery ticket
0: in a way yeah. though. It's like, yeah, exactly. You know. I mean it's, I don't know. I think, I just think you're ex- exactly right. There's just, uh, there's a ton of focus on unicorns. There's a ton of focus on raising money. I mean, he- heck, like, even when the, at the Tech City open house, you know I'm out there like hustling T-shirts out of the back of my trunk. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know I'm like because I'm like all right, I I want to like I want to pay for the podcast and I want you know we're selling we're selling sponsorships and we're like you know I'm selling T-shirts in order to pay for the the production of this podcast. There we and go. Yeah, and I'm like seriously doing it out of the back of my out of the back of my car, and I think that you know there's there's just a lot a lot of truth to that. I mean like. Doing doing what it takes in order to, um, you know, keep your business afloat. I mean, heck, even I, I remember there being days when I'm looking at the, you know, I'm looking at the bank account and I'm like, man, if I don't sell a scooter today, I don't know if I'll be in business tomorrow. You know, and like, sure, that was. <laughs> a long time ago. It's right. not as bad <laughs> anymore. But I mean, but there were those days, you know? And, and I think you're right. There's just a lot of focus on uh, one, raising capital. You know, I think it's common for, you know, entrepreneurs to give their company away in order to raise money. And, um, you know, I would love to see more people focused on bootstrapping, on selling a physical product in order to profit and, you know, retain ownership of their companies. But but you know, I think that, that it's different for everybody. Like I've seen a, plenty of businesses that reach to a point like reach a point where the, like they need capital in order to scale, right? Mm-hmm. Like so I don't know. But like I think it's uh, not everybody's gonna be a Facebook. Not everybody's gonna be an Uber, right? Most companies aren't. So you just gotta keep that in mind. Right.
1: It's like I said, it's like a lottery ticket. Phenomenon. Like, we we look back at those businesses now, and you're like, oh my God, it's so obvious. Like, all you have to do is just disrupt this industry. Like, look what Uber did to taxi cabs and what Airbnb did to hospitality, and all that kind of thing. It's so obvious, but there's a reason they're unicorns. Right. Uh, You know, Mm -hmm. and and you can focus on doing that, but it's just like, you know, it's like playing the lottery to get rich. It's just, it it could work,
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) it could happen, (laughs) but it's probably not the best play there. I mean, do you, find, do you find yourself ever comparing yourself to other businesses in, in that regard?
2: Um, it's hard to compare us against like a SaaS business or just, I mean, these big unicorn companies. We're not gonna be the next Facebook, but that's not what we're trying to be. Right. We're just trying to be the best in our space.
0: Well, it's so funny that, I mean, even with Facebook, you know, I, I, I always tell students and stuff when I'm speaking, I'm like, yeah, I mean, F- Facebook started in February of 2004. New scooters for less started in March of two thousand four. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, uh wow. <laughs> like, Facebook is this massive, <laughs> ma- the Facebook massive? The Facebook yeah. is this massive company, right? And like, it's easy to like compare. And I, you know, I think a lot of people get hung up even like comparing themselves to other to other companies, or they like look at the successes of others. And I think it's real easy to do at your age, you know. It, I, I even, a couple of people that I mentor and, and talk to, you know, they're like, they, they really get hung up on the success of others. It's a symptom of social media, and I've talked about it on the podcast before, though, but that's what we do. That's what we're engineered
1: to do. We, we swipe on our phones at night before we go to bed and all day, every day, and see what Colin's doing and, and who got a new car and who's got a new house. And, they just got married and they just had kids and we constantly compare ourselves to people. It's, it's engineered in social media now. So I don't think that's going away anytime soon, but I think that awareness is important yeah. to, to keep yourself humble and to understand like you know, what is your vision? What are you focused on? Um, what is the impact that you're trying to make uh, rather than getting lost in all of this comparison? You know, some, the grass is always greener for somebody and somebody's always got it better, somebody's always got it worse. You know, but but what are you doing? What is your mission to, you know, achieve what you're trying to do with your company and, and focusing on that versus trying to compare yourself to others, I think is is key. But yeah. That's my dietary. I probably say that like at least every other week on this podcast. <laughs> but it's it's true. I mean, like social media plays that part and, and I, I won't even say it's a negative, but it's just something we have to be aware of. Yeah. It's
0: true. Good job, Mike. I'm
1: proud of you. Hi, thanks. <laughs> you, you're the social media, um, you know, capitalist, and I'm the one that tries to bring it back to the, you know, we don't need it. No, we do need it, but
2: it's good balance. I you know. love
1: social media. Yeah, I mean, and it's done well for you. I mean, it's it's super important. Uh, what you don't want to do is not respect it because it does have power in business and and psychology and everything. But
0: well, I mean, like the the power in it for me, anyway. Is that I, like I've realized the potential and the ability to build real relationships through it, mm-hmm. and the opportunities that come from building those relationships, like the the amount of relationships that for me that I've established through social media first, you know, it, it, like it's just my it's mind blowing to me because it starts there. I get into a conversation with somebody through, well, I mean, heck, just say Instagram direct right. message, right, like. St- Start a conversation there, and then it's like, hey, like, let's let's meet up sometime. Let's let's grab a drink. Let's grab coffee, and and that re- leads to a real business relationship. Like, I mean, that that's the power of it for me. Um, anyway, that was completely.
1: But it can uh, be it can be <laughs> consuming. <laughs> it can be consuming though if you spend too much time. I don't know working on it and, and like I said consuming that. But but you talked about your your everyday, and, and the fact that you, you don't find much interest in video games and stuff like that, so do you, do you ever feel like being the CEO of this company, like that you're making a lot of sacrifices, that you're, I don't want to say that you'll regret, but like, you know, I had this conversation with a, a roommate recently that was like, you know, people always say, oh, well, when you're in college you need to be experiencing X or Y or Z, and, and you're focused on your career, and you're gonna, you're gonna miss out. Do you ever feel like, because mm-hmm. this is where you're at in life, you're focused, you've been hustling fans at career showcases <laughs> and whatever, that, that like you're gonna look back and be like, eh, like maybe I did that too soon, or I wish I would've focused a little bit on this, and maybe not so much on, on the career.
2: I think people can. Um, I think it's all about your balance, right? Like I I do work a lot on imprint, but I do try to spend as much time as I can like with friends and I go out and I have a regular college lifestyle. Um, People are almost surprised and they're like, oh, you have a company. Like I didn't didn't even know that type of thing. Maybe that's not me, not marketing properly on Instagram, but Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) I think that I'm a lot further along because I started in college because um, it's just like, I guess in comparisons, like um, if you're like 70 years old, and you're running a 5K, the chances of you coming in first place is a little higher, right? So it's the same thing. It's like there's only so many people actually doing stuff, and like running companies in college. So my circle that I was able to, I'm able to build with the other people that are actually doing stuff, um, is able to uh, push me a lot further, and I'm gonna, it's gonna pay its dividends down the road. Uh, I don't think I've sacrificed that much, to be honest. I mean, sorry, I'm, I'm not. I've never won a game of Fortnite, like. <laughs> but um, the connections I was able to make, and and the amount of fun I'm having, I'm having so much fun in this business. It's invaluable.
1: When you're when you're building the team, you said. I mean, in our notes it says ten, and you said you're up to fifteen team members now. Do you find that like? Do, do you do you get people that work well within the structure of the company that you're building, or do you find that you're you're getting a lot of like-minded people that maybe are eventually spin off? Maybe they haven't had their genesis idea yet, but because of your network, or because they're at the university and uh, they're the entrepreneurship type, um, do you feel like it's eventually going to be a spinoff for them, or do, are you finding people that can be COOs and and you know? Down, down the chain, employees.
2: Um, I think it's it's important to have a balance of both. So we, I think we have we have entrepreneurs within our company, and they're becoming entrepreneurs, right? So they're innovating within Imprint Genius, and I hope that they go and they spin off, and they build out their their amazing company down the road, and that this was kind of like a platform for them to do that, because at the end of the day, they're not going to be. The best COOs, right? They're gonna, but they're gonna be fantastic at helping scale our business. Now, if we now if we have a nice balance of having those really dedicated type of CEO types, um, then those people are the ones that I want to stay long term because they're gonna help keep the company structure together and really help us um, in the long term. Mm-hmm. It's tough.
1: It's it's tough to find, especially in in the college environment, because you do get a lot of turnover for lack of a better word. I know I know we talk about turnover a lot, but just like people that you, we we talk about college students and and the the value proposition is there because they're cheap labor but they're super talented and it, especially if you're in a bootstrap mode It's important to keep them for as long as you can, but the longer you stay in that bootstrap mode, eventually those people are gonna start looking for other opportunities. They get tired of waiting. You tell them as much as you can, hey, like, no, I mean, we're we're right on the verge of of blow up. I mean, (laughs) how many times have we heard that or said that? But eventually, it's just a promise and then they go on and, and it's tough to i mean it becomes super important to keep communicating vision and to have have that faith with your staff but it's it's hard when you're constantly employing college students because they want i mean like they it, it, especially not to go down this rabbit hole but but it, college is expensive and and you can you know for a year or two bootstrap your own life and and, and hope that it pays your bills but after a certain point like those bills are coming to collect and you've gotta pay and if you get something that you know comes along your way, even if it's just a, a moderate increase, that starts to become more important. I mean, you don't want it to, but it, it's it's tough and, and, and losing talent I think is the hardest part for any startup um, and it's something that I think we've experienced here sometimes is just trying to keep the good talent that we've got not, not to interfere with their dreams, you know? Like you, you want people to, to chase them and to be who they want to be and you want to support that as much as possible. But, but people that just can't wait anymore, you know? That, that's, that's the hard, sobering part, I think.
2: Yeah. I think it's important to have the balance. We actually started focusing a lot more on virtual uh, employees, virtual assistants overseas. Um, and that's changed our business dramatically. People, uh, especially like U.S. based businesses, I think are are sleeping on the opportunity of hiring uh, specifically people in the Philippines to do almost any task um, within a business structure. Uh, we have we have tons of them now, uh, and they're doing everything from from order processing to graphic design to web design to bookkeeping. Um, it, it it's it allows you to have that full time employee and that real focus. At the price of a student intern.
0: So, do you get any pushback from people who are like, oh man, like you're saying, like, what about like sending people jobs locally? There. Like, you're jobs, sending jobs away or you're outsourcing it overseas. Like, I mean, do you get any of that hate?
2: Oh, <laughs> um, I mean, it, it's hard. I mean, I come from like a manufacturing background that's my family's in, overseas manufacturing. That's how I was able to run my business and learn everything I did. Um, I never really looked at it that way. Okay. I think that, at the end of the day, we're making money in the U.S. and we're building a business in the U.S. and then we're also providing freedom and jobs to countries that might not have the opportunity as well. So I think there's two, there's a kind of, like a, kind of a holistic view of the whole world growing through the connection of technology. Um, and I think that my company can grow a lot bigger and make more impact down the road By having virtual assistants that allow us to scale versus hiring students, which are going to make us less efficient, that not treat our customers as well enough, not have the turnaround times we want. Um, Ultimately, I think it's adding more opportunity to the U.S. and entrepreneurship market. It's adding more opportunity to the overseas market. Hmm.
1: Do you think the perspective comes from? I mean, you said you were born in Montreal, yeah, right, and then you spent a lot of time in South Florida, which is its own. Community, <laughs> uh, and I know you're in Israel, but and even in our note it says that you're pretty well traveled. Do you think that perspective comes from that—the fact that you're well traveled and you have that kind of connection to to other countries and other people? Um, I don't want to—I don't want to steer you in this way, but I feel like a lot of times the people that aren't traveled are the ones that that keep things super localized. And and I've only ever been to literally two countries ever. <laughs> um, but I, I think that that perspective is is huge the idea of a global economy and stuff like that but but when we talk about that pushback it's I don't know I, I don't want to be unfair and say it's generally from people that, that haven't gotten away too much but I think it's a different perspective when you are well traveled and and so my my question is do, do you feel like that plays into it for you
2: uh, I, I do I think it's uh, factors into travel factors into your actual experience so I was first a little skeptic about hiring virtual assistants, and I was like, "Wow, like we're getting labor at two to four dollars an hour, right? Like this is—I feel like I'm taking advantage of them." But then you have to have a conversation with that virtual assistant, and how grateful they are because they were working x job and they were stuck with their hours. And for them, being a virtual assistant is their version of being an entrepreneur. It's new opportunity. It's them being able to work from home, um, be more with their families, and once you kind of have that, that idea shift where you're not, you're not taking advantage, you're, you're adding value, um, that's when I think you have a more like real viewpoint. Most people are just like, oh, they're taking our jobs, whatever it is. Talk, talk to people, right? Talk to everyone mm-hmm. and see. Can, can you find someone that wants a job for three bucks an hour in the US? No, right? So, but th- these people are lining up I mean, we just put a job posting out on one website, and we have a few hundred applicants within a few days, um, at like three, four dollars an hour. Just, just trying to show you the, the the need and the want for this type of thing.
1: How are you sourcing these? Is it? I I can't imagine, but maybe it is. I'd be I'd love to know. Is it on an individual basis, or is it like a company that? recruits these, like so you said the Philippines, is it like a, a Philippine re- recruiting company that locates these people for you and sends them your way, or?
2: Yeah, so there, there are some really great companies out there that do the recruiting for you. Um, under under so, the Social X Network, there's a fantastic company that does that. We personally do it ourselves. Uh, we go through, the best website is onlinejobs.ph. Uh, it's 80 bucks a month, but you really only need it for a month. And you get access, you can put job listings out and then you can go on Hubstaff, and what that does is it tracks, it takes pictures of their screens every 10 minutes and, act, and uh, tracks their activity rates, allows you to pay right through there or pay through PayPal um, to be able to monitor all that. So um, if that's a little too complex, you're just dabbling into it, fiverr.com is obviously a mm-hmm. huge, huge resource, um, as well as upwork.com, uh, which is essentially like onlinejobs.ph and Hubstaff together, but at a higher price.
1: So I won't ask you about who your specific competitors are. I mean you can name them if you want, but but differentiation is always key and, and that's probably one thing they actually do teach you at the university. So what do you feel like uh, what is what does imprint genius do to differentiate versus their competitors locally and not locally? Like what what do you do to set you set your part?
2: Definitely. I mean, I started this business because I would go to these trade shows, go to these events, and all I would get is trash I mean like literal trash like you would go you go to the events right and you fill up a whole bag and everything seems really shiny and fun you grab a whole bag you go back to your hotel room or whatever it is and you're like I'm gonna go put this in my suitcase I'll just throw it in the trash Right? Not only is that. You're not but, wrong. I'm not wrong, it, it's not a wrong. real situation. And there's also the situation of, of the marketer, right? The head of marketing or event coordinator who is buying promo and they're looking through stacks and massive catalogs trying to find like cool unique promo that's gonna actually give them a return and they have such a hard time. So I saw those two pain points. And I saw it being bad for marketers, right? That's marketing dollars being thrown in the trash. Mm-hmm. As well as bad for the environment. I mean you're throwing away all these products. Like that's not an efficient to do um, in any case. So that's where we kind of come in. Our focus is only providing the world's coolest and most unique promotional items, um, as well as developing our campaigns for our clients and connecting technology so that they can help monitor these campaigns, track rough ROI metrics, and find really cool integrations with these, te- with this, with these physical items uh, to create strong customer um, relationships and brand relationships Uh, that you wouldn't normally see with a stress ball or a Facebook ad.
0: I wanna ask you a little bit about the, really the entrepreneurial system here in Gainesville, right? I think Mm -hmm. one, one one of the, one of the objectives, one of the missions of this podcast is to really retain some of our top seven Universe. I get to say top seven <laughs> now. Top 7 can't, I'll can't say top eight next year when I'll it's top six. <laughs> top six. I'll say top eight for so long and I'll like to say top seven. Ooh. Top seven university talent. Um, you know, what do you think, like what can we do as a community, Gainesville, Florida, to like show that these, to show these students that hey, like when you graduate, You know, you can work for one of the great organizations here, or you can you know start your start your own company here. Um, Actually, maybe a better question is: after you graduate, do you plan to stay here, or are you taking your company somewhere else? And if you are taking your company somewhere else, why?
2: So that's been something we've been battling with. Um, We want to stay in Gainesville. We love Gainesville, Um, but there's not that much pulling us to stay here. Um, and I think that, that there's a lot of deep rooted problems with, with that. Um, now for us, if we did move to another city, um, it would add a lot larger businesses to us to work with, uh, better overall supply chain, and potentially even um, better talent, right? A bigger, bigger talent pool, but we're actually going to be staying in Gainesville, f- at least for the next few years, um, just because we see the future of Gainesville. And I think that down the road it's going to grow to be fantastic, a great entrepreneurship community. But I do think there's a disconnect between the university and the entrepreneurship community. And there should be, it should just be one easy flowing system. Uh, as an example, you can go through right now. The, 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 if you're a student, you run a company. You join the Gator Hatchery, and you're in that program. Now, what happens when you outgrow what the, the Gator Hatchery has, which is a single desk in an office, right? So we grow to five employees, 10 employees, 15 employees while we're still students. What do we do? Where do we go? There isn't a, a clear roadmap for growth. And in a lot of other schools, there are clear roadmaps, and there's more support, and there's more there's more connection. And there's more PR and resources that are going through. Um, luckily UF Innovation Hub was able to give us a discount on rent and they really they saw our struggle and they, they wanna find that they want to find that connection. Um, but I think having that clear road of where to go and, and how Gainesville is gonna support you through that very difficult time to be honest, of when you graduate and You're no longer supported by your parents or university system, and you see a lot of startups kind of that start up in college and then they fail, right? When the, when the person graduates or, or, re, or right after that, um, and I think that it really is the community's job to help, like foster that entrepreneurship and give them the stepping stones to grow into a real business. Okay,
0: so long term, what do you, what would you need to stay in Gainesville for a long time?
2: Hmm. See, that, that's a tough one.
0: Is it, I mean, it's probably too difficult because you really don't know, like. Well, where we're gonna be. Yeah, where you're gonna be five years from now from a mm-hmm. financial standpoint. I mean, I don't know, I feel like, you know, a common theme. A common theme has definitely been been VC money, which I don't think necessarily applies to you, right? You've, you're talking about bootstrapping. You don't necessarily you own 100. percent I mean, not even.
2: We're starting. We're starting. I have another company I'm starting right now within the space, and we need VC money. Money, and I'm kind of going contradicting what I said before, but certain startups need that need that funding boost, and I'm not going to find it in Gainesville.
0: Okay, so so there's that. Um, Oh, so oh, what's this other company? That's a
2: curveball.
1: <laughs> <laughs> are, are, are we just gonna let that curveball Yeah, ball go, that was like oh, a gonna... that was a complete
2: curveball. <laughs> curve what's the other company? Um, the company's called Pulse, and we make sound reactive technology for the event marketing space and promotional space. Okay. Um, so we have a feature product that I can't talk too much about. We just submitted our patent for mm-hmm. it, um, but it's within the. Cool, event, let's event. talk about it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, we're within that space, because we see a lot of growth potential with the cost of sound reactive technology and sound re- LED sound reactive technology going down and entering into a promotional space and the effect of light, that, what light has behind logos on um, how, how it affects the consumer and how a consumer can identify a logo so much stronger if it's flash in their face. Um, we see a lot of potential in that, so that's why we're starting a new, new company uh, that's kind of like a sister company to Imprint and gonna be more on the supplier side versus the distributor side, which we're currently are. And um, I mean, Gainesville's not the place. I don't think it's ever gonna be the place with VC money. Now can we bring in VCs from other places and, and try to push us out so people know about Gainesville and the VCs of, of San Francisco are looking at Gainesville? Probably. Um, now I think we have a, a long way to go though within our own community um, to help really foster the companies that could be invested with um, from uh, VC money from um, from Alice, Florida.
0: Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting because I constantly I constantly hear that about this community is that this Gainesville is a great bootstrap community. It's a great place to to start a company. So here. It's a great It's a great place to grow a company, mm-hmm. and then you have to leave. Because you can't, you, you can't scale. It. Yeah, you can't scale, and you gotta leave. You gotta go to the big city, and it's a, a common theme. Something that I continue to see. Um, but I hope that you know, long term, you know, these are the types of things that we can talk about and and look at changing, because um, I want to keep as many companies here as as possible, as you know, as many as possible. And
1: thankfully, there there are at least some that have left and come back, uh, which is an interesting dynamic too. To hopefully fighting against that. Um, for whatever reason, and, and the one I'm thinking about, w- you know, I won't name, but like, it it's interesting to kind of dive into that uh, reason for 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 the why did they leave, but what
0: was that epiphany that we're like, you know what, uh, we'd rather we'd rather build those back in Gainesville. Well, I think there's a lot of uh, there's definitely a lot of benefits to having a company here. Um,
2: the college market, yeah. I mean, it's it's. There's again that there's a disconnect between the university and the entrepreneurship community.
0: So how do and, we bridge that? That's right. what I'm asking. Like how how better, do we be,
2: Better education of the entire student body of what's going on and actually actually going on in Gainesville. Okay, so how did you find out about it? I had to start a company
0: in order to get connected to yes. the business community. You had to start a company as a student?
2: Yes. There was okay. there was not like people were coming into class or we were learning about it. I think that um, what's 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 the class everyone has to take as a freshman? It's like um,
1: bugs and people. No, <laughs> no, not bugs. And good people. life. Uh, good life. The good life. Like
2: man's food. Like, man's food. Yeah. <laughs> and I know there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a class like this. I want to say it's like at like Michigan or something, but it's um it's it's about the area. So like good life. Half of good life should be about Gainesville, and it should be like. What is Gainesville? What's the history of Gainesville? What's going on outside of these four walls of the university? What startups are there that the class can go visit? What, what cool things have come out of it? How was Gatorade made, right? Like these little like historic points that are gonna connect the the freshmen to all of Gainesville, because most students have never driven past five to ten minutes out of campus like at least, so at, least, true. at least before they get like a scooter or something right. even when they get a scooter no. i see i see girls that are still afraid to go on go on the main road with the scooter you know what i mean like they're, they're... you you bought
1: your scooter in what year uh, i was a freshman he's a isaac is a customer by the way so thank you for that uh, double customer you're, yeah double yeah you've you've got a scooter and an electric bike so that's fantastic <laughs> you might be the only one that has both at least that i can think of right off the bat uh but but what year was it um, I was a freshman, so it was 2016. 2016, so we're, did you buy it from here or did you buy it from our other dealership? I bought from here. Okay, so it's important to, to make that delineation and we kind of, we, we look at the business as kind of almost two separate. When we were there at, in Main Street, uh, which was about two miles away from the campus, we used to hear that a lot. Obviously right now we're only four tenths away and we're part of that campus bubble, but before, you know, People would say, "Oh, but you guys are so far away."
0: Like Wait, it's two miles. Are
1: we? <laughs> it's like where did you? Where did you grow up? You are far. You are far to a freshman who literally only knows the four walls. But but I think that that's interesting because like I mean I grew up in a uh, I would say a small town, but it wasn't like a, a super rural area. But like I drove three and a half miles to high school. So what is what is two miles, Like what kind of world are you living in? that it's two miles. But now, and that was years ago. Now it's even getting worse because now they're building all these high-rise apartment complexes that are literally right on the perimeter. You never have to leave your apartment. Yeah, whenever whenever you got here in 2004, like, where, where did you live? What, what apartment complex did you live?
0: University Terrace West, Yeah, where baby. was that at? <laughs> Down 20th Avenue. 20th Ave. The bus used to drive by me with these big words that said, full, full bus.
1: bus. Don't get me wrong, there's still people that live in those places, I, and I know they're still full, but but what I've come to find out especially like you know with the people that we hire here and, and people that I socialize with and stuff like that everybody's moving in towards this campus perimeter now and nobody I don't say nobody I mean they do fill them but like lives in the the camp the university terraces and the Oxford manors and the, the places that are uh, so far out and so that problem has actually gotten more centralized where it's like if you if you not if you're not within half a mile from campus, They've got everything they need, they really really do and that makes it that makes it difficult for us um you know because people aren't commuting like they used to fifteen years ago and ten years ago and five years ago uh, everything's centralized there's 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 more restaurants there's more pharmacies there's a grocery store right down the street I mean everything is right here yep um and I think from a, I, I, a Sorry, I a little bit lost my train of thought, but I think from a back to a centralization, Gainesville, Gainesville needs to focus on being Gainesville. But I think a lot of times it's like a, kind of a good bad. Like we often hear Gainesville is like a Portland light or an Austin light or, or <laughs> pl- places that like you've kind of got that Boulder. Uh, I think Rebecca and I were talking about Boulder the other day. Places that have this like interesting, quirky vibe. The that, that Gainesville. Had and and I think needs to hold on to, but I think what we risk a lot of times is where where we're focused on growth is we're losing some of that interesting quality. Um, the the things that have been bulldozed to make play, make room for these huge uh, apartment complexes, we're, we're losing character. And and I think you know you you mentioned the freshman level class. No, I think it needs to be the. Uh, what do you call it? Um, preview. I, I think we need to be hitting them with brief preview. Like This is why you need to come to the University of Florida. Not you're already here and this is why mm-hmm. you should stay. But this is why you need to come to Gainesville. Once you get here, fall in love with it. But this is why you need to come. And I think we need to be hitting these people sooner. But, but what do we have to pitch if you don't have that like interesting vibe, if you're just kind of becoming a cookie cutter community like every place else? I love Gainesville if you don't know that. Like and so it kind of like from a business standpoint I love to see like, you know, opportunities come and things grow and and all that, but I also love the community that I that I've been a part of for 15 years and I hate to see some of that go away in response to trying to upscale,
0: you know. Yeah, I mean I think the university wants things to be very Tight, <laughs> walkable. Yeah, <laughs> you know,
1: they' It's we're getting rid of Leonardo, so the university can build another building, right? Like I mean, like
0: come on. I mean, I don't know what the timeline is on <laughs> yeah. that, but like we know it's going to happen at some point, right? Yeah, but there's just
1: a lot of stuff in that midtown to, to downtown corridor that's, you know, was part of part of the vibe, part of the interesting quirkiness of Gainesville that's going to become whatever a cement jungle would be in Gainesville obviously it's not New York City but like you know it's just going to be parking garages and uh, apartment complexes and and that's good in a lot of ways but i think it also isn't and i think that people need to focus on on that when it, when it applies to that how do you keep people here well sure there's a lot of economic reasons and stuff but we also have to want to be here And I think a lot of times people look at other cities like the Austins, the Boulders, the uh, Portlands and say, no, I'd rather be there because it's it's more interesting, you know?
2: I don't know, I, I, I think that yes, we have to keep the games of culture alive, but if we wanna be that city that's lucrative for businesses to stay and for people to come to, we need to be modern as well, so I think having that mix and um, I get I'm probably a backlash, but like I support the idea of tearing down Midtown and putting up more high rises in businesses, um, and businesses, and office space and whatever it is, because it's going to keep the community tighter and keep business and, and people all together and make it a more modern place. And I think that our quirkiness is going to stay and push through that. Um,
1: what keeps it there?
2: The people, like the the people. And
1: see the the, pro- the only problem with that, and and I'm, I'm not arguing, but the only problem with that he's is the arguing. Pe- the people change. <laughs> the people are on a four year rotation. I mean, like obviously there's locals here and there's people that stay, but the people are on a four year rotation. That's a, that's as um, uh, fair, like, fair, yeah. You know, like ever changing as possible. So I mean, in a lot of ways, the city is only as new as the last class that has started and come through. So. There's a lot of volatility there.
2: But is it, is it the students that are, are shaping the culture or is it the local businesses and local people? I think,
1: I think they will be more so if the relics don't exist. Fair. And and that's not like I said, I'm not painting that as a bad thing. I think it's just a point of 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 awareness that like I like I like you said, like I think there's a lot of opportunity. There, you know, Getting rid of some things that have ran their course and and creating new spaces and I think is great, but are those the places that it need to happen? I mean, like, and this is kind of you know I didn't mean to <laughs> shove it down a completely different area, but, but but like there there are other places in Gainesville to build this stuff. Um, why do we got to bulldoze relics that that people five years ago cherished and ten years ago alumni that come back and. You know, where's Burrito Brothers at? Where's the Swamp Restaurant <laughs> at? Where are these places that people used to cut their teeth at? And, and now they're, you know, I, we're not there yet, but I, I just worry about losing that vibe, that nostalgia that people associate with Gainesville that I think could play into um, reasons that people would want to stay.
0: Hmm. These are interesting perspectives. Hmm.
1: Do you have one or no?
0: <laughs> I mean, I'm, I don't know, I like, because I've heard different things from different people. I can definitely, like, you know, empathize or, like, look at the the fact of, like, you know, keeping that, the the tradition. I mean, I think a lot of these places become tradition in a way. Um, anyway, we gotta wrap up in a minute, but, like, I my, my whole thing is, you know, I, I definitely want to, you know, I, I guess I'll just, you know, say this, and you, you guys have heard me say it before, this podcast is such a... Uh, has a vital mission of keeping a lot of our talent here. You know, like I want, I want you guys when you graduate, like I, I understand it's not gonna, it's not gonna be the case, we're not gonna keep 50,000 students here, <laughs> right? Like, like I understand that, but if we can keep a larger percentage than what we normally do here and, and retain a lot of this top seven talent in Gainesville, whether it's working for companies or starting companies, um, you know, I would, I would love to do so. Uh, I think it's vitally important to to this economy here um i've absolutely fallen in love with this community and it's it's interesting you know it's interesting being here and hearing a lot of these conversations and hearing where Gainesville is going and hearing you know what the challenges are um because I think the one thing that I've done well over my entrepreneurial career is you know recognizing opportunity and seizing it and when i constantly hear these things i'm like okay like these are problems and me as an entrepreneur i want to fix them and so i think that's you know <laughs> starting to put a lot of this weight on myself i <laughs> like uh-oh for an entrepreneur uh-oh. problems are a good thing <laughs> yeah like it's like oh we got we got a lot of things to fix um you know but it's but it's but at the same time it's been super exciting to see the growth of this community in 19 years and the resources that are available to you as a student entrepreneur that were not available to me, and I think that's that's huge. So, uh, so before we sound off, is there anything that we can do for student entrepreneurs like yourself?
2: Um, I guess highlight what's going on in Gainesville, teach, uh, have a better way for startups to hire within. UF, you can, like right now, if I wanna hire students, I either have to go to, I have to like beg a department head or fill out a massive application and go through like the regular portal. There should be an easy way for students to get internships and and opportunities Um, with the startups. Plug, we are hiring for about five, six different positions. Uh, Reach out. Um, Having that level of connection is gonna be what's gonna help all of us grow.
0: Cool, man. Awesome. Well, congrats on your business, man. You got a and you got a, a little over a semester left. <laughs> almost done. <laughs> yeah, almost. So, count so, down. so get there. Get to the get to the finish line. And uh, if there's anything that we can do to help you along the way, let us know. But how can our audience uh, find you?
2: Um, at Imprint Genius, uh, ImprintGenius.com. Um, uh, me at Isaac Hetzroni. Reach out to us. Come by the office, uh, UFN Vision Hub. Uh, we'll give you for some free swag. Nice. So. Or or you'll
0: meet them at Opus Coffee. Or, or yeah, the actually no,
2: no. We will be meeting you at Opus Coffee ah. for a. A quick uh, <laughs> chat.
1: You, you could go. ride your you could ride your e bike over to open. It's funny. Just I want you street.
2: guys to look during the work day in front of you. at of The Vision Hub. You will see three Bintelli M ones that were all purchased by ImprGenius employees in front of the building. That's awesome, man. Well, dude, thanks for the business.
0: Yeah, dude. thanks for the, you need to help the us support. start the e bike revolution.
2: revolution. Plug. e bikes are are the are awesome. They, you don't have to pay for parking. You don't have to. You can put them anywhere. You can ride in the bike lane. They're better for the environment. <laughs> um, buy scooters, but also buy <laughs> right. right, But buy, but if you a want scooter. an e bike, buy an e bike from New Scooters for, for less. New e bikes for
0: less. N-E-B for l. Literally, I've never. Uh, we were I've talking never about s- that other like an e b for l. Uh, we'll figure it That's out we'll one thing out. I could definitely say about that
1: I've never seen anybody that got off of it after a test drive or owned it for a little while and was like
0: Meh.
1: everybody has a huge smile on their face yeah, they after like, they ride one lot. of those it's so cool <laughs> they but, are really cool but so. buy e-bikes
0: cool well hey everybody thank you so much for listening this is the WHOA GNV podcast the podcast bringing you businesses and individuals that make you go whoa <laughs> oh, that was great. it's like Joey Lawrence like, whoa Isaac your best whoa go
2: whoa <laughs> that, that was, was the best one huh that, uh, yeah <laughs>
0: that was terrible you're gonna you're gonna get mean tweets after that oh maybe <laughs> we'll see you later bye